There's a word from the Lord in the book of Haggai, in the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 2. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, and I'll read it from the New International Version. Verse 6, Haggai chapter 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant you peace, declares the Lord Almighty. In verse 6, Haggai 2 and 6, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations surviving a shaky situation how do we survive a shaky situation the governor of new york andrew cuomo uh, did a press conference to address the crisis not only of the state of new york but the crisis of the united states and this global crisis that we're facing and he referred to a snow globe. And he says, when you take a snow globe and you turn it upside down and you shake it, it becomes cloudy and not very clear on what you're looking at. There is no clarity as to what you're trying to see. He said, but once everything begins to settle, then you can finally get a clear picture and a clear view of what's really going on. And we are definitely in a shaky situation that there is a global shakeup, that things are shaky uh, biologically with virus and sickness and disease and even death where healthcare workers on the front line don't have the necessary items for their own protection in trying to treat people, not enough beds, not enough healthcare providers, this is a shaky situation when it comes to biology, but it's a shaky situation when it comes to the economy. It's not just a, a personal economic downturn that some of us have experienced, but this is a national economic downturn. This is a global economic downturn where so many people are going without resources, where people have lost their jobs or have a job, but the company can't pay you, where businesses are shut down and companies are shut down and corporations are shut down. This is a shaky situation with economy. It's a shaky situation with our psychology. So many people are fear, filled with fear and inner anxiety. So many people are, are filled with with depression and and this this mindset this mentality that has shown up that have left people in despair and left people hopeless this is a shaky situation shaky times in which we live and you can look at it globally or nationally but you can also look at it in our own community in our own family and personally 
and then you kind of understand those were the times that uh, Haggai was speaking to. Haggai is the prophet of the Lord in Haggai chapter 1 and 1 said, and the word of the Lord came to Haggai. Well, the word of the Lord came to Haggai in a difficult time. Uh, Haggai is a contemporary of Ezra and, and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel. He's a contemporary of Joshua, not the one with Moses, but Joshua the high priest. And this is after the Babylonian captivity is when Haggai is ministering to the people of God. You know about the Babylonian captivity. That's when the children of Israel had committed so many sins and so much disobedience and so much unnecessary violence and idolatry and they had done so much wrong until God said, I got to discipline the ones I love. I have to punish them. And that punishment was allowing King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon to come over into Israel and to conquer Israel and to overthrow Jerusalem and to tear down the walls around Jerusalem and to burn the gates of the walls and to destroy the temple that was in Jerusalem and then to take certain ones, not all, but certain ones back into bondage in Babylon where they were in bondage for 70 years. And after that 70 years, they've been released. These are the people that Haggai is, are, is ministering to, the ones who've come back. And when they've come back to Israel, they rebuilt their houses. And chapter 1 says in some of these houses were luxury houses. And they rebuilt their school and they rebuilt their businesses. And under the leadership of Nehemiah, they rebuilt the walls. And everything was being rebuilt except God's house. And so the word of the Lord came to Haggai and said, it's time to build the house of the Lord. And the people said, no, it's not time to build our house. And Haggai said, you found time to build your own house. It's time for you to find some time for the things of God and the house of God and the kingdom of God and the way of God. But they refused and they wouldn't do it. They started it and they finished the foundation, but they didn't, they, they didn't stay with it. They obtained but didn't maintain. And as a consequence, God says, I'm going to have to get you to put more focus on my house and my kingdom and, and the way of the Lord. And that's when we get to Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, God says, I'm going to shake the heavens and I'm going to shake the earth and the sea and the dry land. I'm going to start shaking things up because evidently I need to get your attention to get you back to me. And that's when he said, I'm going to shake it. Maybe that's what's happening in, in the times in which we live. Uh, that so many of us have not found time for Christ, have not found time for the church, the house of God, have not found time for the causes of Christ and the kingdom of God. And God says, I need a way to get your attention back on the things of God. And so God says, I'm going to shake things up. Now let me pause in this message because I'm not trying to say God sent the coronavirus or God sent your crisis. That's not what I'm saying. But I do want you to realize that anything that happens in this world is God arranged or God allowed. And if God doesn't arrange it or if God doesn't allow it, it will not happen. So the shaky times and this shaky season that we're dealing with nationally and globally, God may not have arranged it, but God did, did allow it. And God says, I'm shaking everything. 
I'm shaking the heavens, I'm shaking the earth, I'm shaking the sea, I'm shaking the dry land, I'm shaking the nation. No one's going to get beyond this shaking that's taking place in this season. He says, I'm going to shake it from top to bottom, <laughs> from heaven to the sea. You can't get any lower than the sea. I'm shaking it from top to bottom. I'm shaking holy people. Uh, even though You can't get so holy that you're above shaking. He said, I'm shaking the heavens, and I'm shaking... Um, low down people and low life people that's the sea I'm shaking I'm shaking from the top to the bottom I'm shaking the righteous and the wretched I'm shaking from the top to the bottom I'm shaking the learned and the unlearned I'm shaking those in prosperity at the top and I'm shaking those in poverty at the bottom I'm shaking this thing from heaven to the sea he says he says I'm going to shake the CEO at the 50th floor, and I'm shaking the custodian in the basement. I'm shaking the THD, the MD. I'm shaking the PhD at the top, and I'm shaking the GED at the bottom. No one is beyond the shaking that is going to take place. But here's the word God wanted me to give you today. Yes, things are shaky, and it's either God arranged or God allowed, but God wanted me to encourage you that you can survive the shaking. You can thrive through the shaking. You can't avoid it, but you can survive it. Well, preacher, hurry up and tell us then, how can we survive and thrive through this shaky season that we find ourselves in? Let's look at Haggai chapter 2, verse 4. Verse 4 says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Here's how I know you can survive it. Because you can survive it through the strength that we get from the presence of the Lord. Yes, we're being shaken, but... Because of the presence of the Lord, we can thrive even in these difficult times that we find ourselves in. God says that I am with you. I want you, on, I want you to understand something. When you believe Jesus died on the cross, when you believe God raised him from the dead, when you confess the Lord with your mouth, believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead, at that moment, you become saved. You're a child of God. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's when... Jesus, God moves inside of you in the presence of his Holy Spirit. And God says, even in hard times, even when you're harassed, even in hardship, he says, I'm with you. Even in trials and trouble and tribulation, he says, I'm present. Even in pains and problems and persecution, God says, I'm with you. It's a trick of the enemy to make you and I think that because things have turned bad and people are sick and difficulties and people are shut in and business is closed down, it's a trick of the enemy to make us think that God is not with us, that somehow God has forsaken. And God has not forsaken you. God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And it is his presence that will get you through. And here's the thing for so many of us. There, I hear people saying, well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Christ because I can't see him. Y'all, you can't see the coronavirus either. But even though you can't see the coronavirus, uh, you still washing your hands. You still sanitizing your hands. 
You're still locked in your house. You're still making decisions. You're still deciding where you're going to go and not go, who you're going to be around and not be around by something you can't see called the coronavirus. Well, those of us who are Christians, we can't see Christ, but we make our decisions based on the one we can't see. We make our decisions on where we're going to go and not go, who we're going to be with and not be with, based on the relationship we have with Christ, even though we can't see him because we have enough faith to believe. He said, I'm with you. Matter of fact, God says, not just in good times, but when you pass through the floods, I'll be with you. When you're in over your head, when you're overwhelmed, God said, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the fire, I'll be with you. And through the fire, yeah, when you're in a hot predicament, when you're in a heated situation, God says, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's how I know that even in these shaky times, you can be strong with the presence of God to survive and thrive. My grandmother's gone on to be with the Lord. My grandmother lived to be 95 years old. Great Christian woman established a spiritual legacy for our family that's been passed on now for several generations. And uh, my grandmother, I, I believe she was in her mid-80s. She had an issue uh, with her arteries being clogged. The, the, her heart, she had a heart situation that the blood couldn't pump because of, of the, the clogging of these arteries. So we got her to the hospital and got her to the medical professionals. And then when they were working on her uh, to deal with the, a stent to help with those arteries, my grandmother's heart stopped beating. And when her heart stopped beating, they didn't give up on my grandmother. They grabbed those, that doctor grabbed those defibrillating tongs and shocked my grandmother. And when he shocked her, she still didn't, her heart still wouldn't beat. So he shocked her a second time. And when he shocked her the second time, still no response. So he shocked her a third time. And when he shocked her a third time, that's when her heart started beating. And my grandmother got a restoration and lived another 10 plus years. Here's why I wanted to bring that up. Those doctors, when they shocked my grandmother, they were not trying to kill her because in one sense, she was already dead. They were seeking to bring her back to life. When they shocked my grandmother, they were not trying to hurt her. They were seeking to, to heal her. And I want you to understand that sometimes you and I have to go through some shocking situations. Either God arranged or God allowed, and God is not doing that trying to kill us. Because in one sense, some of us are already dead. Dead in trespasses and in sin. Dead because we're separated from God. If you don't have a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you're already dead. He's not shocking us in order to kill us. He's shocking us to restore life to us to bring life to us. He's not shocking us to hurt us, but to heal us. God says you can survive and thrive through this shaky situation because of the presence of the Lord. I am with you. Then watch what it says in Haggai chapter 2 in verse 5. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I know you're going to make it. I know times are rough and tough. I know it's an economic downturn. I know the virus is having its way. But I, I want you to understand you're going to survive and thrive because of the power of the Lord. The power of the Lord, yes. God says my spirit is with you. 
Y'all, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. When you believe Jesus as your personal Savior, when you confess a hope in Christ, his Holy Spirit moves inside of you. And not only does his Holy Spirit move inside of you, but his Holy Spirit seals you, uh, seals you until the day of redemption. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Apostle Paul says, is living in you. Oh, praise the Lord. That's all I know. I'm, I'm going to survive and thrive. I got the power of God through his Holy Spirit. Jesus said you, that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. You have the power to deal with it. You have the power to make it through. It is the power of God's Holy Spirit that's going to see us through this season, see us through these storms, see us through this shaking, see us through this shock that we're all under because of the power of God's Holy Spirit. And that's why God said, and that's why you don't have to fear. That's, that's still in verse 5. And do not fear. You know, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us power. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he gave us not, not the spirit of fear, but a power and love and gave us some sense, gave us a sound mind. And so we want to make sure that we get rid of that fear because fear and faith are mutually exclusive. If you got a, a life full of fear, you have no faith. And if you have a life full of faith, you have no fear. And what the enemy is sought to do is to get you to watch news and be online and listen to all these stories about death and sickness and disease and for, for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And what it's doing is that bad news is building your fear. Okay, well, preacher, then how do I get rid of this fear? Well, you get rid of the fear with your faith. How do I build my faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So every now and then you got to turn that, that TV off with the bad news and start listening to some good news and getting God's word with that. And that word of God is going to then build your faith and your faith is going to push out that fear. And you don't have to have fear because you have the spirit of God. You got the power to help you to make it through this crisis. There's a five-year-old by the name of Cullen. And Cullen, when he was five years old, he was at an amusement park and in a body of water at the park. And unfortunately, he drowned. And so the, his father jumps in and the lifeguards jump in. They pull Cullen out. He's not breathing. They are able to resuscitate Cullen. And after that experience, Cullen's dad decides, we can't have this happen again. We're going to get you some swimming lessons. And when he took Cullen to get some swimming lessons, Cullen became not just a decent swimmer, not just a good swimmer, but a world-class swimmer. And Cullen Jones went on to break world record in swimming and get a gold medal in swimming and this gold medal winner as he stood there and received that gold medal he went from being overwhelmed by the water to overcoming the water and that's what I want to tell you that yes it's some troubling times. Yes, it's some difficulty. Yes, it looks like we're in over our head. Yes, it looks like we're overwhelmed. But I want you to understand, once you get away from that fear, you won't be uh, overwhelmed, but you'll be an overcomer. Y'all, we have victory. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. I know that we can survive and thrive 
through this shaky situation because verse 5 also says, God says, I made a covenant with you. And I know we don't talk like that in the 21st century. We don't make a covenant. We, made a, we make promises. God says, I made a promise to you. That's how I know you're going to make it because the promise, yo, the promises of God, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. There's a historicity about the promises of God that when God makes you a promise, you can count it as history. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be up all night wondering if it's going to happen. It's going to happen because God has to be true to his word. You don't have to be up all night tossing and turning and pacing the floor and wondering, is this going to take place and am I going to make it? God made you a promise. I'm with you. My spirit remains in you. I'm going to bring you out the same way I did when I brought the people out of bondage in Egypt. I'm going to see you through this. And that's what I'm trying to get across to us. You're going to make it. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay because you can survive and thrive with the promises of God, the promise that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. The promise that nothing shall separate you from the love of God. The promise that you can do all things in Christ who gives you strength. The promise that my grace is sufficient for you. The promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be rescued, shall be delivered. The promises of God are available to us. We're going to make it. And then somebody, I'm sure you're wondering, why would God, have us go through all this shaking to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and all the nations a global shaking why would God arrange or allow such a thing well I read the verse 7 let me let me read verse 8 the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. I want to slow down a little bit here because I almost missed this. In verse 4, be strong, be strong, be strong. I'm with you. In verse 5, I made you a promise. I gave you the power of my spirit. It's living in you. Verse 6, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea, the dry land. I'm going to shake the nations. Verse 8, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. Verse 9, and the glory of this, this, this present house will be more than the glory of the former house. And I'll grant peace to this house. I almost missed this because verse 8 doesn't seem to fit the flow. My mentor, Dr. A. Lewis Patterson Jr. says there's always a sequence to Scripture. Whenever you're reading scripture, the Holy Spirit has those verses in the right place where he wants them to be. But verse 8 in this sequence just didn't seem to fit. Verse 4, be strong, I'm with you. Verse 5, he says that I gave you a promise. My spirit is inside of you. Verse 6, I'm shaking heaven and earth. Verse 7, I'm, I'm, sh I'm still shaking. Verse 8, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. Verse 9, the glory of this present house that Zerubbabel is building will have, it will be, the, be, this present house will have more glory than the latter house that Solomon built. And I'll give peace to, everything seems to fit except verse 8. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. Then the Holy Spirit said, Jeffrey Johnson, verse 8 is the explanation 
for the shaking in verse 6 and 7. If you want to know why God arranged this shaking and why God allowed this shaking, it's in verse 8. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. He says, I'm trying to get something of value out of you. You have, you had a disconnect with my house. You building your own stuff but won't build anything for me. That you won't put your trust in me. You won't follow through on the things you started but you won't stay. And I, I can't somehow get you to change your mind and change your heart. So I'm going to shake things up because I'm seeking to get something of value out of you. You've turned your back on Christ. You've walked away from the church, the causes of Christ, and the kingdom of God. So I'm shaking this up for the silver and the gold. There's something of value in you. And the way I'm getting it out of you is to shake it up for you. My, um, my grandmother, when she was alive, was over my mom's house. So whenever they were together, I would always try, try to get over there. And I did get over there. So I was hanging out with my mother and grandmother, and I was going through my mother's garage, and I found a piggy bank that belonged to my niece, one of my nieces. And I brought the piggy bank in the house because I wanted to show something to my mother. I said, Mom, now you gave us piggy banks to teach us how to save when we were children, but I want you to notice the piggy bank that your great-granddaughter has. Her big piggy bank has a spot to put the money in it. Then it has a plug at the bottom of it that you can unplug to take the money out of it. But mother, the, the piggy banks you gave me and my sister and my two brothers, it had a spot to put the money in, but it had no plug, and we could take the money out. We could only get it in, but there was no way for us to get it out. And I believe that's what God is saying with some of us, that I have invested so much in you. It has value to it, like silver and gold. It has value to it. I've invested the cross. I've invested Calvary. I've invested the blood of Jesus. I've, I've invested the Holy Spirit and my love in you. But somehow I haven't been able to get a release. You won't let anything go. And so here's what I used to do with that piggy bank that had a place to put it in but no way to take it out. I would turn that piggy bank upside down and I would shake that piggy bank and shake that piggy bank and shake it and that's when the, the stuff I put, the silver and gold that I put in there, the, the pennies and the nickels and the dimes and the 50 cent pieces and, and the Susan B. Anthony dollars, and I was shaking because I was trying to get something of value out of it. God says the silver is mine, gold is mine, and the things I placed in you, they don't belong to you. You're a depository, you're a holding place. You're what I use to hold what belongs to me. And when you won't release it to me on your own, I'll turn you, your world upside down and begin to shake you until I get out of you what I put in you. Because there's a better man in you. There's a better woman in you. There's a better Christian in you. There's a better politician in you. There's a better businesswoman, a businessman. There's a better servant in you. There's a better mother, a better father, a better son or daughter. There's, a, there's something better in you, but you have not released it. So God says, I'll turn your world upside down. I'll shake the heavens and the earth, the dry land and the sea, all the nations. And I already know your question. How long is God going to shake us? Because my shaking didn't just start with the coronavirus. My shaking's been going on for weeks, for months, for years, and I want to know how long is God going to shake me? Let me tell you how long I would shake my piggy bank as a youngster. 
I would shake it till I got out of it what I wanted, what I desire. I'd shake it a penny and fall out. No, I put more in you than that. A nickel would come. No, I got more in you than that. And I would shake it until I got out of it what I desired to get out of it. That's what God is doing. He's shaking you and he's shaking me. He's shaking from the top to the bottom. And he says, Jeffrey Johnson, I'm going to shake you until I get something of value out of you. Matter of fact, that kind of shaking that God does, it helps me with my self-esteem. Preacher, how can going through a shaky situation help you with your self-esteem? Because I would never shake my piggy bank unless I knew I'd place something of value in it. And the very fact God is shaking me and shaking you is an indication there's something of value in you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. His spirit remains in you. And he says, I'm, I'm going to shake you, Jeffrey Johnson, till I get a better husband, till, till I get a better father, till I get a better preacher, till I get a better pastor, till I get a better Christian. It helps me with my self-esteem. He wouldn't waste his time shaking me unless he knew there's something of value in me. And then those of you who are in fear and wondering, has God left you? Is he really present? I can't see him. I couldn't shake my piggy bank unless I had my hands on it. The very fact God is shaking you and God is shaking me ought to be proof enough that his hands are on you. He can't shake you without his hands on you. Jesus said, my sheep, they know my voice. They obey me. And my father has given them in my hand. And they're in my father's hand. God has not forsaken us. God has not left us. He has turned our world upside down. And he's shaken us because he knows there's something of value in us. Even if you can't see it, God sees it. And I'll testify, he saw the best in me. When everyone else could only see the worst in me, he saw the best in me. And I am his, hallelujah. And he's mine. And it doesn't matter how I feel. He saw the best in me. Your God has not forsaken you. God has not left you. That God, he's with you. He's made you a promise. You got his power. And God is just seeking to get out of us what he, what he already put in us. And I pray that that will encourage you. And those of you who've never invited Jesus Christ into your life for forgiveness of sin, you've never been saved, you've never believed in the death, the burial, and the resurrection, you can do that right now. Matter of fact, I want to take a moment. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in prayer. I'm going to have you call on the name of the Lord in prayer. The moment you believe that, that's when you're saved. God becomes your father, Jesus your big brother, and the Holy Spirit moves inside, and he remains in you. So here we go. I want you to, if you never accepted Christ, I want you to repeat after me. We're going to call on the name of the Lord. Father, I come right now. I know I've done wrong. I know I've sinned. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe, God, you raised him from the dead. I receive Jesus by faith. 
Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.